Welcome to Podcast One. We hope you'll support our sponsors who bring you these podcasts absolutely free and with limited interruptions. And of course, we appreciate you listening to this show, which will get started in just a second. When you're wearing the right outfit, it feels good. Like good hair day good. Phone charge to 100% good. Feel that way every single day when you work with a Trunk Club personal stylist. Meet your stylist at trunkclub.com. That's T-R-U-N-K-C-L-U-B.com. This is the Forbes interview on Podcast One. And I'm your host, Steve Bertoni. On this show, I'll do deep dive interviews with billionaires, entrepreneurs, and influencers. These are the faces you see on the cover of Forbes. And if they aren't in the cover, they easily could be. Hey, everybody. It's Laurel, executive producer for Forbes Podcasts. Steve's on assignment this week, so for today's special episode, we're broadcasting a Sir Richard Branson panel that took place in October of 2016 at the Forbes 30 Under 30 Summit. Branson, as many of you know, is a billionaire and founder of Virgin Group. He's joined by Tyler Haney, founder of Outdoor Voices, Pyle Kadakia, now founder and executive chair of ClassPass, and James Proud, CEO of Hello, who announced this June that Hello was shutting down. Moderating is Randall Lane, editor of Forbes magazine. Sir Richard, that was the, that was the most regal entrance by an Englishman since uh, you guys own this place. You know this is ours now, right? <laughs> I think, I think you might be giving it back to us in a month's time if things go... <laughs> well, actually... But we, but we won't want it. Well, we actually mentioned that. You, uh, you, um, you posted a couple of days ago about your endorsement in our presidential campaign, and I don't, I don't know if you've commented on it. What, tell us the rationale behind that. We, you know, we have you live here, so... Uh, look, I, I, I think one day it'd be wonderful to have... An entrepreneur from here or an entrepreneur from, um, uh, from America running this great country and, and really overseeing the world, um, but, um, but not this particular entrepreneur. <laughs> I would dare to, you know, if you ran against him here, I'd think that would be, you know, you do pretty well. Uh, you certainly have nicer hair. Um, let's, talk, let's talk about, uh, let's talk business uh, it's funny because we polled, uh, and the reason we're so excited to have you, we polled the uh, 30 under 30 honorees. We said, if you could meet any entrepreneur in the world, who would it be? And the four names basically came in tied for first. It was uh, Elon Musk, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, and Richard Branson. And uh, so we're thrilled uh, that one of the big four, as far as this group is concerned, uh, uh, is here with us because this is, uh, you are the dream mentor, as uh, the question was put for, for this group. So we would love to, uh, to talk about mentorship and talk about entrepreneurship. We've got a room full of young entrepreneurs. Um, maybe, you know, with the idea of business and adventure, uh, my, my first question is, you look like you're always having so much fun. Uh, now, is that now, and you mentioned something, you mentioned, you know, you mentioned Trump, who his brand, I mean, he tries to live his brand, and he thinks that the brand is very important. You've done such an amazing job with your brand, and part of who, what the brand, you infuse that brand with, you know, the, the whole idea of Virgin Atlantic. I mean, it's fun. It's fun to fly. How much of that, you know, is that effort to build the brand, or is that, does it come as naturally as it looks? Um, I think uh, in the early days, it's, it's, it's an enormous effort to build a brand. I mean, Virgin Atlantic started um, 32 years ago. Um, we had one second-hand 747, and we were taking on British Airways with 300 planes, Pan Am with 300, TWA with 300. Um, 
and nobody, had, nobody knew the, 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 the virgin name. So, um, so I literally had to put my life on the line by you know, breaking transatlantic boating records and you know, crossing the Atlantic in hot air balloons and crashing in the seas and just doing anything, anything I could to get the, to get the virgin brand well known. Um, and in the process, I think the, um, o- over the years, the brand is you know, perhaps bigger than reality. I mean, we've, it, it's, a, it's a much sort of sexier brand than, um, than British Airways or the, the people that we've... we've Virgin or British Airways, yes. <laughs> and, and, you know, and we've also been cheeky. I mean, like, I think... Uh, um, what's, what's your biggest sporting event in America? Super Bowl. The Super Bowl, exactly. Um, <laughs> and, and, um, you know, there goes your presidential campaign. <laughs> <laughs> no, I suppose, um, um, they, and there was, we had an airship company, and, um, and you know, I was trying to, we had Virgin Atlantic on the side of the airship, and we, um, NBC hired it to fly over the Super Bowl and to, to film um, the Super Bowl. And, um, and they told us that sadly, you know, they'd pay, they'll pay us for the airship, but they wouldn't actually have any pictures of Virgin Atlantic on the television because it cost a lot of money in the Super Bowl. Um, so we all sat down and thought, how can we make sure that, um, that the NBC cameramen do do some pictures of our, of our airship? And so we had a streamer outside the back of the airship which said, NBC cameramen are the best-looking guys in America. <laughs> and, 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 and the cameras kept on coming up. Um, so I think little tricks. I mean, another, another occasion, to, to, which I think some people most likely know the story, was British Airways sponsored London's wheel. Um, and I got a call at 6 o'clock one morning being told they had technical problems trying to get this wheel up. And they had all the world's press there. And... Um, so again, I rang our airship company, which is just outside London, and they flew the airship above the wheel, and the, and the words on the side of the airship were simply "BA can't get it up." And we we got. <laughs> so having a bit of fun at the expense of your bigger competitors is always good. And a quick break to say the Forbes interview is brought to you by WordPress.com. Get 15% off your new website today at wordpress.com slash Forbes. That's wordpress.com slash Forbes. And introducing an all-new crossover Toyota CHR, Embrace the Unexpected. It's edgy and effortlessly takes center stage with its distinctive style and unique spirit. Agile handling helps show off its athletic side, whether you're cruising through the city or taking on your favorite winding road. Uniquely expressive, CHR's precision-cut lines let it shine from every angle. Born from the ingenuity of a race car driver, CHR is designed to maximize driving pleasure every time you turn the wheel. Know that while you embrace and express that bold spirit in the smartest way possible, tucked away neatly throughout your CHR are advanced safety features and measures that are designed to help keep you alert and safe in the event of an accident. Because as any good driver knows, accidents can happen, and when it comes to driving, the best defense is a smart offense. Visit toyota.com slash c dash hr to learn more. Drivers are responsible for their own safe driving. Always pay attention to your surroundings and drive safely. Depending on the conditions of roads, weather, and the vehicle, the systems may not work as intended. So what's the lesson there? What's great is that we have a lot of entrepreneurs here who, you know, listen, the, the original niches of the digital revolution have been filled. And now what we're seeing is that uh, young startups are taking on giant established industries. I mean, you did that, again, 30 years ago. Uh, 
how hard is that to look at an industry which looks really baked in and really, really impenetrable? And what's the secret to kind of want to break through there? Um, you just have to be uh, a lot, lot better than these big guys. I mean, it, it, I mean, again, going back to Virgin Atlantic, or say, you know, we could use Virgin America as an example. Um, you know, if you, uh, you know, the, the airlines 30 years ago were, were dreadful. The airlines today, you know, are not that, not that much better, a little bit better. But um, and um, so, you know, we came in with something which um, at, people actually wanted to fly, and, and it was fun to fly. And um, you know, like nobody had had seatback videos before. We were the first airline to bring you know, seatback videos in so that kids could watch a different program, you know, to their parents. Um, teenagers could watch... I think that was important with Virgin Airlines to make sure the, the kids definitely... The parents uh, wanted to keep the yeah, kids... Yeah, no, the kids, kids, kids... I mean, you know, once, once, you ha- once we had seatback videos on board the planes and people had flown British Airways, the kids would, were really upset with their parents if they couldn't, <laughs> you know, couldn't have a choice of entertainment. So it was everything from stand-up bars to... Um, you know, cabin crew that actually smiled and enjoyed what they were doing. And, you know, having made Virgin Atlantic a great success, we then looked at America and saw that, um, you know, the States did not have a really decent airline. So, you know, Virgin America, I think, did the same, and then Virgin Australia in, in Australia. And um, so we've gone for, we went for quality, and I think, you know, you, a quality product never goes bust. Um, I mean, the, the, the best restaurants in town, they never disappear. The best clubs, they never disappear. Um, but if you, if you come in and you just try to um, second, second guess a big guy, you're, you're going to disappear, I think. Now, now you're clearly uh, an adrenaline junkie. How much do you think there's a correlation between that and, and being an entrepreneur, the highs and lows? <laughs> I think that the, the, there's not a big difference between an entrepreneur and an, and an adventurer. Um, you know, as an adventurer, you, you're, you've got to protect the, against the downside of something going wrong, and, and that can cost your life. So you, 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 you do everything you can to avoid it. Um, and as an entrepreneur, you've got to protect against the downside because you don't want you, you know you don't want to follow Trump's example and have lots of your companies going bust all the time. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> Uh, so, um, uh, so I think it's, um, you know, so, um, uh, you know, I think the similarities between the two are quite similar. Uh, and then, in terms of, I guess it's, a, it's, you know, your talents for risk as well. I mean, you, I mean, even you lived it. We're glad you're here because I know you had a bad bicycle accident uh, a couple of weeks ago. And we uh, last year we had Fiddy Wap here, and he got a motorcycle accident like a week before, and we thought we history would repeat. So we're very glad you're okay. But it seems, uh, again, it's you, know, you have a, clearly have a big appetite for risk. And how much do you think that's contributed to your success, uh, that, that tolerance for risk? Well, I think, look, as, a, as an entrepreneur, if you're not willing to take a risk, you're not, you're not an entrepreneur. I mean, entrepreneurs um, uh, you know, are taking risks all the time, and they're trying things all the time, and they're falling flat on occasions, and they're picking themselves up and learning from it and trying it again and trying it again and trying it again. Um, so I think... Um, you know, uh, it, I mean, we as a family, we, we, we love to challenge ourselves. Um, you, know, we've, um, you know, as a family, we've kite surfed across English Channel. As a family, we've climbed Mont Blanc. As a family, we just did a two and a half thousand kilometer bike ride from um, Switzerland through to the, the southern tip of Italy. And, 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 um, and these, 
you know, the, these are wonderful things, things to do, but they, you know, they have risks. I mean, you can fall off a bike, um, but life would be a lot more boring if one doesn't take these bold moves. With those business risks, um, I mean, you've had way more successes than failures, but you have had some failures. What have you learned from your failures? I think the only, uh, the, the only sort of biggish failure we had was um, when, we, when we thought we would try to knock Coca-Cola into number two position. Um, and, <laughs> and, and, you know, for about a year or two, we thought we were going to succeed. I mean, Virgin Cola was out selling Coke, it was out selling Pepsi and in every retail outlet we could get it into. And we were having, having an absolute blast. Um, but it actually became too successful and, and um, Coke um, got a DC-10 on, the, on their runway in Atlanta. They filled it with money. They filled it with squat teams. And they flew it into whichever uh, city that we were selling Virgin Cola. And literally, Virgin Cola just disappeared from the shelves. I mean, they, they, they just went into these retailers. And the retailers had a big smile on their face. And uh, by the time the, the Coke representative had left the store and Virgin Cola disappeared. Mm. So what we learned from that was... Um, not, not not to take on the big guys. I mean, when, when British Airways tried similar tactics to put Virgin Atlantic out of business, um, uh, they failed dramatically. I mean, we, we, we took them to court. Um, you know, we won the biggest damages in, in the court in, in the history of li- libel cases. It was Christmas time. We distributed it all to all our staff equally, and it was known as the BA Christmas bonus. So, uh, <laughs> and... Um, our staff were hoping that next Christmas BA would try their dirty tricks again. <laughs> but um, but the, the difference was Virgin Atlantic was a much, much better quality airline than British Airways, so the public st- stuck with us. A can of cola, you know, it's just a can of cola. And we didn't have, a, you know, the only uniqueness we had was we were an upstart, fun brand, uh, which people liked, and, you know, but it, it, it wasn't sufficient. You got a value added. Uh, well, you, again, as the 30 under 30 dream mentor, we thought we'd put that into practice. Maybe we'll call up our, our panel. We have some of the top young uh, entrepreneurs in the world to, uh, to talk about business and adventure. Why don't you guys come up? Ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce Tyler Haney, founder of Outdoor Voices. <laughs> Payal Karakia, founder of ClassPass, and James Proud, founder of Hello. Richard, to give you an idea of what you're up for, when uh, they came and none of these uh, entrepreneurs had met uh, Richard before, and when I asked James that, he goes, yeah, but he hasn't met me. (laughs) 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 Which is why he's up on this stage. So that's uh, that's what we want. So we have not, uh, true to Branson style, we intentionally decided not to, uh, nobody's met before, and we did not do any rehearsals. So we are going, we said, let's surprise. So uh, if we're up for a surprise, what I'd like to do is do uh, some, some quick surveys. I want to ask a couple of survey questions uh, and get the take of the under 30 uh, founders here and compare it with uh, Sir Richard's take and then maybe use that as a discussion point. But because we don't want uh, Sir Richard to maybe be biased by what the millennials say, I, I happen to have from fir- Virgin First Class here a little blindfold. Good for sleeping. I don't want you guys to look at each other here. I want to show of hands. Uh, first question. Entrepreneurs are, not, uh, entrepreneurs are not made. They're born. Who agrees with that? Entrepreneurs are not made. They're born. Oh, okay. So, Richard, what do you think about that? Entrepreneurs are not made. They're born. 
I know everybody thinks they're, they're born. I think, they can be, I think they can be made. All right. So if you, do you take your blindfold off? Our, our, our panel seems to agree. Let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, or you can keep it on. <laughs> um, what do you guys think? I mean, what did you learn? And then I guess, Sir Richard, maybe if you can also tell us, like, if you don't think you were born to do this, how did you guys take the chance to, I mean, two of you have never had a job. Uh, what what inspired that? Ty, you want to go first? Or? Can you hear me? Yep. Cool. Um, I think it's an unbounded enthusiasm for what you what you're doing and making it contagious. So your team has to feel it. Everybody that you interact with has to has to feel it. Um, building a business is absolutely difficult, and it takes a lot of persistence. I remember when I grew up, my mom had this saying, "TYB baby," and it stood for try your best, baby. And whether I was going to school or soccer practice or some slumber party, she was like, TYB baby, and bring this uh, energy and enthusiasm to everything you do. And I've seen that like, no matter what, be what, people, what attracts people to what I'm doing at Outdoor Voices. Right. And, and James, you, now you didn't even go to college. In fact, you, you were one of the first Teal Fellows where you took money to not go to college. You were in such a hurry. So, <laughs> yeah. if you, so you don't think you were born to do this. Uh, how, does that, how does that work? I, I actually told my parents at 8 a.m. on the day I was supposed to enroll at 9 a.m. that I wasn't going to university. Um, <laughs> I was the first person in my family that had the opportunity to go, so for them, they were sort of like, wait, we worked our whole lives to give you this, and you're just staying? No. All right, you've screwed up your life. Let's focus on your 10-year-old brother. He can still be saved. <laughs> um, I, I think it's dangerous to think that, that people are, are born entrepreneurs. I, I think... Um, it sort of shuts it off for a lot of people. Oh, I, I can't do that. Um, well, well, all that really matters is like, look, are you able to take being brutalized and then learn very quickly and fix your mistakes? That's all that actually really matters. Like when you completely fuck up, how quickly do you course correct? And people that don't course correct quickly aren't going to do it, but that's not being born. That's something that I believe you can learn. Breaking away quickly to say the Forbes interview is brought to you by the all-new crossover Toyota CHR. Visit toyota.com slash C dash HR to learn more. And here at the Forbes interview, we know that creating great things sometimes comes down to having the right support system. That's why we're excited to have WordPress.com as a sponsor. They've been supporting us behind the scenes for a while as home to the Forbes interview blog. We use WordPress.com every day. And let me tell you, whether you're looking to create a personal blog, a business site, or both, you'll make a big impact when you build your website on WordPress.com. Even if you don't have experience building a website, WordPress can guide you through the process. They have hundreds of themes to get you started. Just pick a template and make it your own. Come see why 28% of all websites run on WordPress and why more websites run on WordPress than on any other platform. Get started today with 15% off any new plan purchase. Go to wordpress.com slash Forbes to create your website and find the membership plan that's right for you. That's wordpress.com slash Forbes for 15% off a brand new website, wordpress.com slash Forbes. I think, uh, you know, when you're younger, it's really important to start, sort of take smaller risks in your life. Um, I think when you think of these big companies that we've built, if we started out thinking they were going to be this massive, it almost would have intimidated us. And I think it's one of those things in the beginning, just start figuring out what your muscle is to succeed at things. And for me, it was dance when I was younger, and I... I learned to sort of feel like an entrepreneur and feel successful in something, which then 
translated to other things I did in my life, and I applied the same, same sort of formula to those things. And I think it's important to find what those things are for everyone, and it's different, and you know, find time to do them. Great. Uh, maybe we'll do another question. In the, all right, blindfolds on. <laughs> Uh, touching on uh, what Sir Richard and I were talking about just now, you learn more from failure than success. What do you guys think, and what does the audience think? All right. All right, Sir Richard, what do you think? We have a disagreement on the panel. Um, yeah, I think you learn more from failure than success. I mean, I, I would love to see, um, uh, in fact, I've actually thought about writing it myself, a book about all the people who tried... Oh, I've still got this on. <laughs> all the, it's quite nice. It gives me time to think. Uh, all, all the people who've tried and failed, and, um, and you, can, you can learn so much from them. And, and you know, we always think that, um, that the people who've been successful, you can learn lots from. But actually, I think you can learn um, uh, even more from people who've tried and failed. James, do you disagree? It's, not, it's not a hard disagree. Like, you learn a lot from failure, but... Um, I don't think you should, uh, we should always try and not fail. Um, <laughs> the, like, now, this your, you're on your second company, right? So The first one wasn't really a real company. <laughs> For tax purposes, it was registered, but it was just me in my bedroom, so I don't know if that's... <laughs> but you sold it. Just, yeah. <laughs> All right, question for the panel. My parents were excited when I told them I was going to be an entrepreneur. Who, who wants to, who agrees, out there and here? Okay, mostly, uh, Sir Richard, what did your parents think when you, uh, when you started your, uh, your first record store, I believe? Um, well, I was 15 when I walked my dad around the garden trying to persuade him to let me leave school and, and become an entrepreneur. And uh, it took about four or five walks around the garden before he finally said, um, that he had no idea what he wanted to do when he was 22 and leaving university. And at least, you know, I, I knew what I wanted to do. And so he, was, he, would, he would support the idea. And if I fell flat on my face, he would try to get me educated again later on. So I would say they're, they're incredibly supportive. Pile, your parents. So my parents so. came from India and uh, I would say like gave up their entire lives for me and my sister and wanted to make sure we got a good education, had a good career. So it was very challenging when I told them I was going to leave Bain to go pursue my Yes, they passions. came all the way. You know, they emigrated. Uh, you went to MIT, right? Yep. You go, you're a Bain. Yep. The American dream. Exactly. Uh, I quit. Yeah. But what was amazing is uh, I spent a three-year period between Bain and when I started the company um, pursuing a bit of my passions while I was working, and I got them very comfortable with them believing in me, that my mom was the one who told me to quit my job and start the company. So I, I was able to get them over the fence over those three years, and I think that was actually an amazing um, you know, journey for my, my parents to start believing in, in me you know, in a way that they never had the privilege of being able to do in India. Now, Ty, your parents were okay with it. They were okay with it. Um, I remember, again, back to my mom, swinging on the swing set when I was little. And as you'd go up and down and up, she'd be like, reach for the tree stars. And at the moment, you're like, I have no idea what that means. But I remember when thinking about starting After Voices, that kind of ringing true. And, and feeling okay with not knowing what lied ahead. But she had always been like, do what you love. And reaching for the tree stars really meant that. All right. All right, blindfold on. <laughs> or on, blindfold. She'll, she'll have mummies like yours. I know. She, <laughs> bring her in. 
<laughs> there it is. All right, we got a question, and uh, those are, t- I got a lot of questions being tweeted at us, but phrase them. It's like Jeopardy as a yes or no question, please, I can ask. Uh, from Seth Cohen, do, uh, true, yes, uh, entrepreneurs have a responsibility uh, as they pursue business to make the world a better place. Who agrees? Absolutely. <laughs> Richard, what do you think about that? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, look, I, 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 entrepreneurs and business people um, can, change, can, 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 can sort, sort out every single problem in the world if they make an effort to do so. In the past, um, businesses have thought, let's leave, let's leave the social sector and governments to do uh, the problems of the world and we'll just run our businesses. Um, but nowadays, more and more and more and more businesses are realizing that um, their, their employees want them to do more. They will get much more satisfaction if they do more. Um, and, uh, and they're getting out and, they're, and, they're, and, they're, and they are um, helping sort out some of the world's problems. Um, so, you know, I'm a great believer if you, if you have a, you know, say if you have a hotel in Africa, make sure that you draw a circle around that hotel and make sure that you know, for at least 50 miles, maybe 100 miles around that hotel, uh, you know, you deal with people who are ill or unwell or their education or people who, uh, you know, people who, um, you know, set up orphanages or whatever. And, 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 and if we can do that on a global basis with businesses everywhere, most of the problems will get resolved. Uh, who here, who here, raise a show of hands, uh, agrees with that idea that or not even the idea, the idea that wherever you work, whether you're running the company, you're working for the company, that their social purpose is important. Show of hands. Okay, big majority. Now, Jane, the Warren Buffett... How can some people not agree with that? That's what I didn't well, know. Well, there's a lot, there were a lot uh, of hands out. No, I'll, I'll tell you what. Like Warren Buffett is very eloquent about this. He says, I have a responsibility <laughs> to, be, to my shareholders to make as much money as possible, as efficiently as possible, and then I'm going to give it all away. He's giving away 99.9% of his money. He, he says, I want to make my money pure, and I want to give it away pure. I don't want to mix it. James, are you in that camp? Because you didn't raise your hand originally to the question. I, I, I think that... Are you a Buffett man or a Branson man? <laughs> I'm, I'm probably more of a Buffett man. Um, uh, I, I'd personally, if I, if I could, would like to do charity more in private. Um, uh, I think it's more a case of that I think that people should work on more meaningful problems. I'm, I'm probably pretty anti-Silicon Valley of all the people in Silicon Valley and despair a lot of the times with the things that people are working on. So my view is less like, okay, let's do a terrible business but make it socially responsible no let's actually work on interesting problems and like actually meaningful problems that's sort of it's more like the phrasing of the question than do i disagree or agree with the question yeah i mean i don't think you you need to necessarily give it away to charity um but but we are all entrepreneurs in this room i hope i think and as entrepreneurs we see problems in this world differently i think than governments in the social sector and therefore just giving money is not going to necessarily sort out the problem. You need to entrepreneurially think in the same way you entrepreneurially think how to run your business. How can we sort out you know, um, a, you know, a particular issue? Um, autistic kids, um, you know, how can we come up with a, you know, a company or a venture to, to find, you know, put the, to place them in the kinds of jobs that, um, w- w- where the companies will benefit and where the autistic kid will benefit? 
Um, and, you know, just there's so many things like that that if, you, if, if one thinks it through, one can come up. I think we can get the problem sorted. But anyway. When you're wearing the right outfit, it feels good. Like good hair day kind of good. Phone charge to 100% good. Getting dressed can feel just like that when you have a Trunk Club stylist. Because not only do we send you lots of outfits and accessories, we also teach you how to style them. And since we're a Nordstrom company, you know you'll be well taken care of. Look and feel great every single day with Trunk Club. Meet your personal stylist at trunkclub.com. That's T-R-U-N-K-C-L-U-B.com. And taking a minute to say the smart new way to buy business travel is Upside.com. Use the code Forbes and you're guaranteed at least a $100 gift card your first time using Upside. Minimum purchase required. See site for complete details. And business can be done from anywhere, in the palm of your hand and at the source. However you move your business forward. With Business Platinum, it's not about where you are. It's about where you want to take your business next. And nothing helps you like the resources and know-how of the Business Platinum card, backed by the service and security of American Express. All right, we got a question from uh, 30 Under 30 Honorary Chris Coombs that I will paraphrase. Being an entrepreneur uh, really puts a big dent in my social life. Agree or disagree? Richard, where do you come out on that? If you're a good entrepreneur, you should, um, you should, be, you should have learned the art of delegation, and therefore it shouldn't put a, um, a dent in your social life. The first thing you should do as an entrepreneur is find people that are better than you to do the day-to-day running of your companies. Uh, you should try to put yourself out of business um, uh, so you can dive in on issues that matter. Um, and uh, if, you, you know, if, you're, if you're running things properly, um, uh, you should have a good social life. You should be able to spend a lot of time with your family, your children, uh, looking after yourself physically um, and um, get that balance right. Now, Ty, your business is a leisure business, and I, I believe you're t- you tie that in. You like basketball nights and stuff like oh, that, yeah. right? So how do, you, how do you infuse that lifestyle into being a CEO of a, of a growing company? Yeah. How many employees do you have? Uh, 49. Okay. Yeah. So work and life are one and one the same, which is super neat. And we talk a lot about um, the culture starting with us within the team. So we have weekly activities starting from OV dribble dribble, which is kind of a casual Thursday pickup game. And there's people who have a killer jump shot and then people who have never thrown a basketball. And we invite customers, we invite friends all to join in in the game. And that's a small example of kind of folding the two together. And it's working really well. It's, it's a blast. Anybody else pile to you? Yeah, I mean, I think social life is a term that I've been able to stay in touch with all my my friends through what I'm building, and I think it's very similar. I love the people I work with. I love the people, um, you know, I work out with, and that becomes my social type, and it's very tied to what we do, and I think that's what you do. You end up incorporating it in your company and what you're doing, and that's the best way. James, how do you incorporate your company product is sleep. How do you incorporate that into, uh, <laughs> into the work life? Well, my social exile is self-imposed. So I'm very happy. I, I go to the office and then uh, yeah. I go home and I, I, I sleep and, and, and basically repeat. So no, it's, <laughs> I enjoy it. My, I've got a good personal balance. <laughs> All right, next question. We have a question from uh, Yash Banaj. Uh, if I was going to phrase it as a yes, no. Uh, I founded my business to sell it rather than build it. 
who's, who's, who's running a business to sell it and who's running it. So who, who here is looking, who's building with the idea of a sale? Raise your hand. All right. Richard, you, 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 you're just, you, you've sold businesses, yeah, but I you don't built think, the brand. I, I, so. I, I don't think you should um, ever start a business um, with, with the aim of selling a business. I, I, I just don't think you're going to put your heart and soul into it. The people who work for you are going to feel cheated from day one. They're not going to put their heart and soul into it. Um, and um, and uh, so my, my, uh, I, I, my feeling is that's not a, cl- not a clever way of doing things. We all agree on that? Yep. Who's, uh, who's uh, again, what's, uh, I'd like to take each panelist in 30 seconds. What's your goal for your company? What's, what, what's, what's the dream outcome? We want every life fully lived. We want people spending their time as best as possible. And maybe you can explain really quickly. I, I gave you the 10-second version, but maybe you can do the 15-second version of what ClassPass is. Yeah. Yep, ClassPass is a monthly fitness membership program that lets you take classes at different studios and gyms in your local area. You can go to a yoga class, spin class, dance class, really whenever and wherever you want to. Okay. And Ty, what do you yeah. think? I started Outdoor Voices because I loved activity because of the joy of it, rather than um, wanting to cross the finish line first or shaving a second off of my uh, last time. And so... I really wanted a brand that I resonated with from the perspective of freeing fitness from performance. So we're setting out to take on the big guys and create the next great activewear brand, creating a community and a platform that makes it easy to participate in daily recreation. Well, with with Hello, our mission is just how do we help people to live better? Um, And we decided to start with what we think is the most under-leveraged and number one preventative health measure that there is, which is sleep. Um, it's something that has historically been sort of macho to abuse and not sleep, and no, I don't need sleep, but, but the science shows that we're, most people are clearly wrong with that. Um, and if that's an area that is beginning to shift, well, let's, let's start there. But for us, like, the first product is sense, um, but for us, the reason we started with sleep is because we're not a sleep company. It's just the best place to begin. Now, uh, Sir Richard, I got, I'm getting, and it's not a yes-no question, but I'm getting a, a shocking uh, number of questions that actually have to do with dyslexia uh, and uh, how that's made you uh, who you are, you know, for better or worse. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing better, but can, maybe you can address that because a lot of people are very interested. Um, you know, I wouldn't have started my business if I hadn't been dyslexic. I was hopeless at school. Um, I was hopeless at things I wasn't interested in, which is one of the reasons I left school at 15. Um, And uh, I think my dyslexia has helped me uh, help me be a really good delegator because you know if you're if you're not if you're not good at certain things, you find other people who can fill the gap. Um, I think my dyslexia has helped me simplify messages. So um, you know if we're you know if if people are dealing with Virgin, uh, there's no sort of hidden jargon. It's, it's, everything's very simple. So if it passes the Richard test, if Richard could understand it, then anybody, <laughs> anybody else would be able to understand it. Um, so, um, uh, so I think, you know, I mean, I personally, when I talk to kids who are dyslexic, just say, you, you know, follow the things that you're good at and, and you excel at those, which a lot of dyslexic people do, and, you know, get, get other people to do the rest. Uh, I, I, have, uh, I have mild dyslexia, which anybody's ever got an email from me at two in the morning can attest. Uh, so I can, uh, I'm with you on that. I, I think, uh, I think it, I, I think I'm proud to, I'm proud of that. Uh, all right, another question. 
You know, this is a more random uh, general question for the panel. How do you get, you know, as serial entrepreneurs here, how do you get, how do you avoid getting involved in too many ideas? Too many ideas. And, and Sergio, maybe you first, because you have about 50 of them, 50 companies, probably about 5,000 ideas. Um, I mean, for years, you know, the, the, the press sort of attacked Virgin and said, you know, the, the, this is one, pro- one project too many. Uh, you know, it's Branson's balloon going to pop. And, um, and I'm just so inquisitive, I can't say no to a good idea. So, um, so Virgin has become a sort of way of life brand where we've, where, where we've gone into a lot of different areas. Um, and I think that as long as those new areas are going to enhance the brand and not damage the brand, um, th- then it's fine to do that. Um, I mean, like when we went from, you know, having a record company into starting an airline, people thought we were absolutely off our heads, and they may may have sort of been right. But um, you know, but um, you know, if we'd still had our record shops today, you know, if we hadn't moved diversified, we we we, we, we wouldn't have a bus- have our original businesses because um, our original businesses have disappeared um, as as uh, iTunes and other things got invented. So. Um, so, I'd, you know, if you're, if you're a real entrepreneur, you can, I think, move into quite a lot of different companies. And, um, and if you can run one company well, you can run yeah, 100 companies well. And the three of you obviously get a lot now that you've all established, you know, ascendant companies probably get a lot of offers all the time and go into this area, expand. I mean, how do you guys juggle that as growing companies? For me, I think the first thing is it has to be in line with what we want to accomplish, our mission, our vision. That's sort of the first cutoff. And then the second is resources and prioritization of what can we actually do over the next three months or six months. And, you know, that comes down to more of just what, you know, how many engineers we have and designers we have. And that's a bit more tactical, but it's important to prioritize it. But I think it's important to build things that are in line with what you want to so the company gets behind it versus thinking you're going in a completely different direction. Okay. Um, starting, uh, we got a question uh, about how to start a business uh, on a shoestring uh, versus what, what comes first, uh, the capital or do you, boot, do you bootstrap or do you raise money first, Mr. Branson, uh, given how many you've started and from both, um, both perspectives? <laughs> I just looked down at my shoes and saw my socks. And my wife, as I left the, um, left the house today, said, you've got the ugliest pair of socks on ever. Um, go, 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 go and change them. And I said to her, nobody's going to see them. I'm not going to bother. But anyway, um, what was the question? <laughs> And taking a quick break to say this show is brought to you by the Business Platinum Card from American Express. However you move your business forward, with Business Platinum, it's not about where you are, it's about where you want to take your business next. And nothing helps you like the resources and know-how of the Business Platinum Card, backed by the service and security of American Express. And I found the best way for you to buy business travel. It's Upside.com. Even if you're not a business traveler, you probably know someone who is, and you got to tell them about Upside. At Upside, you save money on travel, and you get a free Amazon gift card worth hundreds of dollars every time. You get savings and a big gift card, free. Here's how they do it. Upside bundles your flights and hotel together for one low price. Bundling saves a ton of money, especially on business travel, so they give you an Amazon gift card. Your company saves money. 
and you still keep all your miles. And right now, when you use the code FORBES, you are guaranteed a free $100 Amazon gift card your first time. The code FORBES gets you a guaranteed $100 Amazon gift card. How can you not do it? Upside. Save big on travel and get a big gift card every time. Upside.com. That's Upside.com. Minimum purchase required. See site for complete details. Now, look, I think, um, look, the, the advantage of, tr- of, of trying to start your business um, on, on, you know, by maybe trying to self-fund it, by maybe selling your products in advance and so on, is, is you end up owning 100% of the business. And I mean, like, you know, the Virgin Group, after 50 years, I still own 100% of the Virgin Group. So it's meant I can make, you know, um, mad well, board meetings must be fun. Well, I can, you know, I can go into space projects and not get, you know, shareholders telling me I can't go into it and do things, you know, do 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 sort of fun, extraordinary things. So, um, but it, you know, but in order to do that, going right back to the beginning, I had to, uh, you know, like get enough advertising for my magazine sold in advance in order to pay for the printing and the paper costs, or with our mail order company, you know. Um, hand out enough leaflets, get the money in first, and then go and buy the records. And so, you know, it can be done. It's not easy, but, but obviously the upside is good. Bye. Sure. Um, I started Outdoor Voices under my bunk bed at home in my apartment. I had taken the first bunk out and had my bolts of fabrics um, underneath, like, the upper bunk. And I started first by focusing on making good product that people would actually want to wear, and distributing to my friends. I was wearing it, my friends started to love it, and so started to make little you know, amounts of money off of that. And as I started to prove that, that this was really a pain point for other people, that they wanted active wear that they felt comfortable in, that didn't necessarily you know, have muscle mapping everywhere and, and look like a professional athlete, people started to want to be part of it. And um, at that point, when I had a, a product that was resonating and a brand that was resonating, I, I sought larger amounts of funding, and it started to work. Uh, we're going to shift. Uh, we're going to shift um, right now to another uh, segment where we have a bunch of young entrepreneurs, uh, actually uh, business school students here from Boston, who would like uh, they wanted to be have Richard Branson as their mentor. We're going to give them each. 45 seconds. So it's, it's, it's instant mentoring. Uh, before we go into that, though, I'd like to know, uh, Sir Richard, who was your mentor? I, there, there was a man called Sir Freddie Laker whose business had failed, who um, gave me some, um, some... He was an airline, airlines, right? Yeah, very good advice. Um, uh, and he'd been put out of business by British Airways, and uh, he just said, um, there's three words you need to remember, um, and that is, sue the bastards. And, <laughs> uh, and, and about three or four years later, we did exactly that. So, um, and, and um, very grateful for his advice. <laughs> I see that getting tweeted around the world. Oh, it's through the bastards. Uh, okay, we have uh, our, 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 our mentees. This is called, we, we have this, uh, this segment's called Three Minutes to Land because each, each, of, our, um, each of our mentees has. 30 seconds, we'll put 30 seconds, 45 seconds on the clock. 40, we'll give them 45 seconds, we'll be charitable. Uh, first up, oh, where's Marcus Scapa from HBS, Harvard Business School, in the house? I found it, no, founder, okay. I got you, founder and chief executive, so that I, we don't waste your 45 seconds. Uh, founder and chief executive of Nokin Travel. 45 seconds, go! I founded Nokin with the conviction that greater cross-cultural empathy could go a long way in making the world a better place. 
At Noken, we're reimagining how young professionals interact with new cultures through end-to-end -end experiential locations for small groups of friends. We're different in two ways. First, we solve group decision paralysis through an extremely simple flow in, in which customers book a full, build a full trip and book it in five minutes. Second, we, while they're traveling, we make their experience similar as a luxury travel agency does, but at a much lower cost through technology. Here's where our dilemma comes in. We believe that for a great experience, we need physical operations on the ground. However, investors prefer asset-light business models, and they recommend us to uh, focus entirely on the booking technology. You've built highly successful businesses, both in brick and mortar and digital worlds. How do you think we should approach this decision? Thank you. Do you want to answer that one? <laughs> I'll let you take that. <laughs> Um, I don't know, if you could just get some young, uh, young people from the college to help you create, you know, create the site um, and you know, maybe give them a, you know, a stake in what you're doing, um, I, I suspect that would be your best, best way. I mean, if you go out to an outside company and get them to do it for you, it's going to cost a lot of money. Um, they most likely will get these young people, young, young guys and girls to do it anyway. So, um, so... Anyway, try to, yeah, try to get help from, from friends, I think. I don't know. Have you thought about that? Sure. Uh, our question is uh, specifically on the destinations. Uh, we might have to have operations like you know, tour agents and, and, and something that requires a lot of capital. And therefore, uh, the investors are suggesting that, no, we just focus on a booking platform, you know, technology business. Uh, but we feel that that will be harder to differentiate, you know, from the competition. So, platform or bricks and mortar? We have we have both, and we've found that by having physical locations, that's what really drives people to our online. Um, it's a place where they can come, try on product, understand their size, and then throughout their uh, life cycle buy online. But that's a discovery point. So I feel very strongly about it. I think you're on your way. He comes to Faneuil Hall to ask uh, Sir Richard a question. He's wearing a T-shirt from his company. So this is, a, this is a, br a brander in the making. Thank you. All right, next up, Cristobal, Pane Cristobal Panera, co-founder, CEO, uh, I believe it's called Chiron. Chiron or Chiron? We're going to find out. 45 seconds. Oh, hold, Chris hold on. We're going to delegate, delegate some of these answers. Okay. <laughs> okay, so at Chiron, we consider ourselves a software and data company. Almost all of our background and experience are aligned with this direction. But our goal as a company is to provide wearable, sport wearable technology to all amateur teams. The problem is that today in the market, all third-party hardware solutions are just too so expensive for a college or high school team. So this, this put us in a crossroad where we need to choose between developing our own hardware, which means lower costs and faster uh, speed of implementation, but becoming a hardware plus software company, or second, to try to partner up with a hardware expert company, uh, allowing us to focus on the data models, but losing control of the experience and also meaning a delay in our implementation speed. That's our dilemma. Anybody? I think it's really important to make sure you're controlling your experience because that's the magic of your product. And um, you know, even I always think about this from early on from us, it was really important that we were almost manually making reservations for our Providers, and I think for you, you make sure you're controlling what you're actually building and putting in front of them. And I think it's really important that you have control over that. Hardware. Have you done hardware before? 
This is our first time, uh, but we are already building our first prototype, which we are trying and we're having a lot of problems, but it's coming around. Yeah, I'd never done hardware before. I went and like bought a bunch of books on circuits and spent two weeks reading and then realized there's like, it's going to be no chance in hell in the next two years. <laughs> <laughs> I, could, I, could, I could code just, but couldn't really do hardware that well. Um, but I basically very early on was like, okay, if I'm going to do this, it's going to be very hard, and you're, it, but it's going to be very hard. Like, just understand that, and it's going to break, and it's going to cost a lot of money, but if you really think that you need to do it, then yeah, go do it. Um, a lot of people get enamored with hardware because you're making a physical object, which is so true. It is amazing to make a physical object. But only do that if you really, really have to make that object. And you have to make it, like, well, just go do it. But, yeah, it's going to be really hard. Just keep telling yourself that. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, our, our, our uh, last mentee, uh, Sarah Dezaraga, De, De from, also from HBS. So we got a lot of Boston connections. Actually, uh, Ty and Payal, actually, you got funding at a general catalyst here in Boston. So we've got, it's all Boston in the house here. Sarah, uh, representing Harvard Business School. Uh, f- co-founder of Flair Jewelry, 45 seconds, another, and, and, and branding it well. I love it. The t-shirt's yeah, on. Of course. <laughs> you've got 45 seconds, Sarah. Go. Thank you. Um, Flair is making women safer. So nobody thinks that they're ever going to be assaulted. Um, and so no one does anything to protect themselves because it's not convenient to carry around existing personal safety devices like pepper spray or personal alarm. Um, and it reminds you that something bad might happen to you, which isn't fun to think about. So we're creating a modern safety device. It's smart jewelry, and it helps you stay safe in a discreet way. Um, my question is around market testing. We've worked extensively with people in Boston who are facing this problem, but we're hardware. And as we start to move towards contributing significant resources to manufacturing, we're going to have to stop some of that testing. Um, and it's harder when you have a physical product in hand to actually pivot at that point. So in your experiences, how did you know when you had tested enough? When was enough enough? It's probably also hard to test it when you have to mace somebody with your, with your bracelet. So, that, that. <laughs> <laughs> so go on. Um, I would say go slow to go fast. So we ran into some issues early on by trying to go too fast, where like QC processes weren't in place. And that just ends up costing you a lot more time in the long run. So really dedicate time to getting it right in this first batch. Um, and understand it's going to take a few, but don't go big time until you know that it works. First of all, love the concept. I think it's great. Um, I think it's important, you know, we pivoted. It took us three years to figure out the ClassPass model. And in that time frame, um, we were really good about throwing away stuff that didn't work. Um, learning from it almost failed fail quickly, right? Like, have the failures come. So test in a way that you're actually getting an answer on if you're trying to figure out, do people use it? Do people you know, keep it? Those are the different things that you need to test. But keep putting it into the market, making sure that you're getting results. And I think for us, and I'm not sure if this happened for your startups as well, but there was a point when I just knew it was working. And I could tell in the customer service emails. I could tell by the tweets people had. And at that point, I just knew that we had hit it, and it was time to scale. But before I got to that point, I was sort of reserved and going as slow as possible to make sure I had that magic in the product. And you'll know. <laughs> Can I, can I make sure I understand? So it's, it's, it's jewelry. So if I give my wife a piece of your jewelry, I can keep an eye on her when she goes into shops and spends lots of money and, and know exactly where she is. <laughs> Slightly different use case, but... 
<laughs> anyway, now I also think on, on a more serious note, it's a great, a great idea. <laughs> For the grandkids, I'll buy some off you. Thank you. You sometimes don't know what use cases come of your product, too. I think that always happens, too, when you end up disrupting an entire... We have no idea. It's so, it's so true. You, know, you, 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 can't, you start something with one idea, and suddenly you, know, you end up doing something completely different. Huh. Exactly. Yeah, a question on that. I mean, uh, Sarah's asking about testing. Uh, Serge, you strike me as the ultimate gut entrepreneur. Is that, is that kind of more reputation, or is that true? Yeah, I use the word instinct, not gut. But, um, but, but I think you're British, much more elegant than me. So, yeah. <laughs> it's so difficult to understand Americans. I mean, I don't, you know, since you took over this country from us, <laughs> you, changed, you, you, changed, you changed the language. House, but, you know, we had a, we, you had a decent language you could all understand once. <laughs> um, they, they, um, no, I think, I think uh, it's, <clears throat> it's instinct based on experience. So, um, you know, somebody... You know, somebody, um, you know, I mean, that's why I think the elevator test is, is such a good one. You know, within 30 seconds, one minute, your, your instinct is, this is a great idea. <clears throat> it will or will not succeed. And um, one shouldn't, shouldn't have to complicate it too much. So, um, so I've, I've just said yes on many occasions just based on gut instinct. <laughs> Well, I think actually that's a great way to leave this. We have one of the great entrepreneurs of, of, in world history here, and he's saying trust your instinct. Uh, but th- we, we very much appreciate your time. We appreciate the entire panel's time. But thank you, Sir Richard. Thank you, Dane. Thank you, Tyler. Thank you, Kyle. Hey, everybody. Quick announcement letting you know the all-new Podcast One app is now ready to download in the App Store or on Google Play. Find your favorite shows and new content to go with them like articles, behind-the-scenes photos, and videos. There is no other podcast app like this. Check it out. Hey, have you heard? Podcast One has a whole bunch of awesome new shows filled with big names that are waiting for you on our brand new amazing app. This one's a game changer. There's Norman Lear talking to Amy Poehler, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, and Charles Barkley. Geffen Playhouse Unscripted with Brian Cranston, Josh Gad, and soon Neil Patrick Harris. Nice. OC Real Housewife, Heather Dubrow's World, Lady Gang's Three Mimosa Podcast with Leah Michelle, Nelly Furtado, L. King, and more. Plus every episode of The Adam Carolla Show, Dan Patrick, and Rich Eisen. And if you like what happens in the ring, we've got Steve Austin, Chris Jericho, Chell Sonnen, and a whole bunch more. So download our one of a kind new app and see for yourself. Go to the App Store, Google Play, or download it now at podcastone.com. When you're wearing the right outfit, it feels good. Like finding an onion ring in your french fries good. Feel that way every single day when you work with a Trunk Club personal stylist. Meet your stylist at trunkclub.com. That's T-R-U-N-K-C-L-U-B.com. At the border. I'm Ed Donahue with an AP News Minute. At the roundtable discussion today in San Antonio, Texas, President Trump heard something he said he'd never heard before about life along the border. Many people are dying, and the danger of living here, unless you know exactly what you're doing, is tremendous. This is Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Where are the people in Washington to stand up for these children, these women, these senior citizens? Where are they? Bring them down. Mr. President, let the Democrats come down to Brooks County. Let them come to any of these ranches. Let them see these bodies. Let them see the skeletons. We have the photographs. Attorney General William Barr says he thinks spying did occur on Donald Trump's presidential campaign, suggesting the origins of the Russia investigation may have been mishandled. Scientists released the first image ever made of a black hole, revealing a fiery ring of gravity-twisted light swirling around the edge of the abyss. 
One scientist said science fiction has become science fact. I'm Ed Donahue.